Good evening, everyone. Um, This evening's reading is taken from the book of Acts, um, and we're going to read some verses from chapter 3. It's on page 911 in the Bibles that's sitting in the chairs in front of you. Page 911, Acts chapter 3. Beginning to read at verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up and and stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the crowd, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as through our own prayer, our own power, our piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and it's his name. By faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And that faith that is through Jesus has given the man, this man, perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that this Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refraction may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. Have you ever done anything wrong in your life? Of course you have. Of course you have. We all do things wrong. We all get it wrong at times. We say wrong things. We do wrong things. We behave in wrong ways. But you know, it's how we react when we do something wrong that actually tells us a lot about ourselves. You know, are you the sort of person, when you do something wrong, you just admit it, yeah, that was me. That was me. I got it wrong. Or are you the type of person, when you get it wrong, 
um, you, you sort of try to shift the blame a wee bit, you know, well, you know, well, I wouldn't have done it, but they made me do it, or it was because they said something or done something. Is that the type of person you are? Or maybe you're the, part, the person that no matter what, you will always argue that you were right. Even when you know you're wrong, you will still argue that you'll never admit that you're wrong. There's people pointing at one another here. I don't know what that means. Um, or maybe you're someone who just believes you're never wrong. You're never wrong. Truth is that none of us like getting it wrong. And even harder still, admitting that we get it wrong. You know, Peter, who we find in this passage tonight, one of the disciples of Jesus got it wrong a few times. He got it wrong a few times. He had, in a sense, failure in his past. And as probably as the, the, the best getting it wrong that he's known for is denying that he knew Jesus. After proclaiming that, you know, no matter what, no matter if all the disciples run away, he definitely wouldn't. In fact, he would die rather than deny Jesus. But then in the courtyard, to the servant girl, he got it wrong. He had promised to stand by Jesus and didn't do it. Yet, after Jesus' death on the cross, after his resurrection, Jesus restored Peter, didn't he? He lifted failure off him. Even though Peter had let Jesus down, Jesus still loved him. Jesus seen the potential that there was in Peter. And he poured his grace upon him. And when the day of Pentecost come that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, in the upper room, Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, was filled with the Holy Spirit, transforming him into a mighty man of God. Restored, forgiven, empowered, a boldness and authority that come from God. And you know, by the time we get to Acts 3, as we had tonight, Peter is barely recognizable from the Peter that we first find in Scripture, when we, Peter first appears as a fisherman. And in tonight's reading, it opens with, you know, with Peter and John, that this transformed Peter. Um, heading up to the temple to pray. In verse 1 now. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. You know, the Jews observed three times of prayer in a day. Nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, and sunset. Whenever sunset was. This was three o'clock in the afternoon. And, and as Peter and John approached the temple, we're told that a lame man is carried and set down. He's left there to beg. There's nothing unusual about that. There's no benefit system. There's no food stores. If you were lame and you couldn't work and, and you had no family to support you, the only, the only lifeline you had was to beg and hopefully people would give you money. And the temple was a really good place to be at. And it looks as if this guy got a really good spot. However, this day, as Peter and John 
approached the temple. As he sat there, his life was about to change. Read in verse 3 on. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting them to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. This guy had never walked. He had never walked in his life. We we discover in Acts 4, as you follow the story on, he, he was over 40 years old. Probably for most of his life, he'd been carried to this gate and he'd been set down there. Yet all of a sudden, all of a sudden, legs that never walked, muscles that never supported the weight of his body, ankles and feet that actually never really done anything, in a moment, spring into life. And it wasn't as if they just sort of slowly got there. You know, it's like when you're sitting for a long time and you get up, and maybe it's just some of us that's a bit older, there's aches and pains there. There was none of that at all. It was, it legs at a 10-year-old. What's going on here? Well, this guy has encountered the post-Pentecost Peter. No longer is Peter afraid of a few guards and a servant girl. No longer is he engulfed by failure and and by disappointment. He was full of the spirit of the risen Lord. Full of faith in the one who had called him. And the one who indwelt him. And he was just going for it. He was just going for it. You know, it's an interesting, as you read this story, you can sort of, glanced through it very quickly, but actually the guy was not healed till Peter took him by the hand. He wasn't actually healed till Peter took him by the hand. There's a picture of faith there, folks. God works when we step into it. You know, faith is believing in what you cannot see. Peter had faith. Peter had faith and he reached out And we're told, leaping up, he stood up and he began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. This guy was jumping up and down. He was making sure everyone could see him. He was shouting at the top of his voice. And he's not praising Peter and John, he's praising God. He's praising God. He actually gets it very, very quickly. And a crowd's gathered. He makes enough noise to, 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 a whole crowd comes in and they're they're amazed. They know this is the cripple. This is the beggar. He, he, He sits at the gate every day. What's he doing running around, jumping up and down and praising God? Peter sees the crowd. Peter was an evangelist. He sees the crowd and he seizes the opportunity. This crowd's gathered and all right, I'm going to go for it here. And he goes, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety we have 
made this man walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter pulls no punches here. He just goes for it. It was faith in this Jesus who you nailed to the cross. It's in his powerful name that this guy now walks. The the Messiah, the one that you were waiting on, you murdered him. But hey, God raised him from the dead. Brought him back to life. And it is him who has done this miracle. You know, as Peter fires off this body, but you know, there's no gentleness here with Peter in this bit of it. He just goes for it. He says, look at what you've done. But then he softens it. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In other words, you killed the Messiah, the righteous one, the author of life. But you didn't know it was him. You didn't know it was him. We get that. You were wrong. You were wrong. Then Peter goes on to explain. You now know and you see so you must do something about it. You now know and you see. You have heard and you see. It's time now to make a right choice. You made a wrong choice. It's now time to make a right choice. You know, there's boldness and authority in the words of Peter as he tells them to repent and turn to Christ. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's time to believe. It's time to believe. It's time to believe that this this Jesus was sent by God, that he is God in human flesh, that he is the author of life. He is the one who created you. He's not dead. He is alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father yet is preparing at just the right time to return. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring of all things about which God spoke about in the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. Jesus is waiting to return. You know, if you follow the story into the next chapter, you'll see that the religious leaders were none too pleased with Peter and John. His plea to to turn from their sin and believe in Christ fell on their religious deaf ears. That wasn't the case for the crowd. Many were convicted and convinced and turned to Christ. We're told in, in Acts 4 verse 4, many of those who heard the word believed and the number 
of men came to about 5,000. The church has grown very, very fast. A lot of it up to this point is under Peter and Peter's preaching or, or speaking. So tonight, I'm not going to keep you very long. I have a question for you. A question for me, a question for all of us. Is it true? Is it true? Do you tonight believe this story that we've read and I've just explained? Is it true? Do you believe that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son down to earth to be brutally murdered for you so that your sins could be wiped away? Do you believe that death could not hold him? And this Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. Do you believe that through him you can lead an unbelievable Holy Spirit-filled life today? And when you close your eyes for the last time, you'll be with him forever. Do you believe this tonight? Have you said yes to him? Have you repented? Have you turned around? Have you turned away from that life of sin and turned to Christ and asked him to be the center of your life? That's what these folks getting baptized tonight. That's what it's about. It's not about just getting wet in this lovely warm water. It's not about that. They're saying publicly that we believe in the story of the cross. That we believe in Jesus. We believe that our our sins can be forgiven. And we believe when this life is over that we go to be with him forever. But it's more than that. You see, if we believe that tonight, there's a challenge in that. There's a challenge comes with believing. See, if we believe this to be true and we've asked Jesus into our lives, we should see at least some of what was evident in Peter and John's life. You know, Jesus tells us, doesn't he, that, that, that those that follow me will do the things that I've been doing, but actually they will be doing even greater things. You know, the religious leaders, when they would later on question Peter and John, they recognized that they had spent time with Jesus. Can that be said of us? That people recognize that we have spent time with Jesus. Is there something of God in our lives that is so evident that the world around can see it? If not, we should be challenged by this story, challenged by Peter and John. Peter and John who sees the opportunity. You know, we said at the 5.30, I wonder what would have happened if Peter and John had money. If they'd silver or gold and they threw it into the plate and walked on. Would that lame man ever been healed? Would the 
couple of thousand people ever come to Christ. See, around us every day, is there, there's opportunities that was before Peter and John. Maybe a crippled person, but it could be. But there's always opportunities to help people. Opportunities to draw alongside people. Opportunities to share Jesus with people. Opportunities are put across our path. This guy was lifted into the path of Peter and John. Just think about your life in the last week. Who was lifted into your path? That God wanted you to say something or or pray for them. Or maybe tonight, that's not where you're at at all. As you heard this story read and me explain, you're sort of sitting there, well, I believe in some of it, but there's other bits I'm not so sure about. It's a nice story. It's probably true. But I'm not convinced and I don't see it really relevant to my life today. So you've never said yes to Jesus. Thought about it. You're actually thinking about it now. But you've actually never said yes. Or possibly you're you think that might or might not be true, but it's no big deal. It seems to work for some, and then folks are getting baptized. Yeah, it seems to work for them, and it makes them happy, so fine with them, but it's not for me. But here's the thing. You see, Jesus tells us that we're either for him or against him. We either ask him into our lives or we reject him. There's no middle ground. Jesus talking in Matthew 12 says, there's anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You can't sit in the fence when it comes to Jesus. There is no fence. It doesn't exist. In fact, as Peter would go on to proclaim in front of the religious leaders, he would say this about Jesus. This Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no one other, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other way. There's only one. We can't pick and mix. We can't take the bits we like and discard the rest. Neither can we ignore and and hope upon hope that, you know, God will look favorably on us. God has already looked favorably on you. He's given you his son. He's already offered you all that he can offer you. It's not... God rejecting us, it's us rejecting God. See, Jesus calls each of us to go on a journey with him. Actually, it's an adventure with him. 
It's an adventure that will change your life. It's an adventure that will give you insight and understanding that you'll never have experienced before. And he will stay with you no matter what. There's no promise that life's going to be great and everything's going to work out fine. Just follow the story of Peter and you'll discover that. However, his peace will rest upon you. His Holy Spirit will indwell you. He will pour his love and his gifting into you. And he'll love you with an everlasting love. Accepting you as you are. You know, there's, there's a thing we, get, we have in our heads that we have to get our lives all sorted out and then we come to Jesus. You know, if we sort out that bit of our life and we sort out that bit of our life, then maybe we can come to Jesus. You see, if we think like that, we don't need Jesus. Because we can sort our own life out. But I said, Jesus, just come the way you are. Messed up, broken, whatever way you are, come the way you are. I want you the way you are. But I want to transform you. I want to change you. I want you to make you in my likeness. You see, and this all begins with a yes. It's yes to acknowledgement that we get it wrong by rejecting him. Not by blaming other people. Trying to pass the blame off a wee bit. But I'd say, no, we get it wrong. And it's a yes to turning away from sin and, and asking and receiving God's forgiveness. And it's a yes to inviting him into our lives by his Holy Spirit. You know, as Peter and John stood and spoke to the crowd, they all heard the same message. But they give different responses. Many believed, as we've seen. Others would have been unsure and they would have walked away. Well, the lame man, he really got it. He was the one that was excited. He was jumping up and down. Didn't care about anybody else. The religious leaders, they refused for whatever reason to even contemplate that they might be wrong. So tonight, what about you? What about you? Do you believe? And are you jumping for joy? Didn't see many jumping earlier on, but anyway, are you jumping for joy? Really thankful for what Christ has done for you? Or you're possibly unsure? doesn't just all add up yet. Hopefully, none of us are like the religious leaders, refusing even to contemplate we could be wrong. You know, and this Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He's the creator God in human flesh. He is the author of life. And he longs to be our friend. So tonight, as I finish, is it true? Is it true? Do you believe this to be true? 
If you do, have you done something about it? Have you asked this Jesus into your life? Let's stand. Please stand. Really a very simple, simple message tonight. And I want to give you the offer to respond to that message. I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never said yes to Jesus, to say yes to him tonight. See, the thing is, you'll never really know it's really true to say yes. It's that step of faith. It's like Peter reaching down for the lame man and taking his hand. Then faith became real. It became life-changing. It became transforming. And it's only when we say yes to Jesus that he comes by his Holy Spirit and floods our lives and we, and we start to get it. We start to see. So, so let's be still for a few moments. I'm going to say a very simple prayer. In one sense, it's only words, but if you mean it, the author of life, the author of life will come and make his dwelling within you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, Tonight, pray these words after me. Let's just be still for a moment. Let's pray. If you want to say yes to Jesus, pray these words silently. After me. You don't have to say them out loud, but silently just pray these words after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for all the things that I have done wrong in my life, for going my own way and rejecting you. Please forgive me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. So that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me today, tomorrow, and forever.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer, Lord, in these moments now, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you flood their life? Reveal yourself to them. Presence of the living God fall in this place. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. And Lord, I pray for us tonight that know you. Lord, as we, as we continue to worship, Lord, would, would you put in our hearts something of what was in the heart of that guy when he got up and he could walk and he could dance and he could praise you because of what you have done. Lord, stir our hearts. Spirit of the living God, come and stir us and put a place of thankfulness and joy in deep within us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.